0: Well, good mo- morning. Greetings from Lifehouse Murray Bridge. It's wonderful to be here. I was last here in November 2015. Who was here? Who can remember me here? Rob, you remember. Great. And who, for a box of chocolates, who remembers what I preached on? Oh, phew. Sorry? That was a couple of years before. You deserve a box of chocolates for remembering that. My goodness. But I'm not going to get you one because it was not. Yeah. But yeah, you remembered like, what's that, four, six years ago. Wow, that's amazing. Is my sister here this morning? Yes. Diane? Ah, oh, there she is. Good morning, sister. <laughs> haven't seen you for a while. Good to see you. Good to see Rob and Ruth. They were in my youth group back in Seton years, years and years and years ago. And they look so young. Where are you guys? Oh, there you are, <laughs> right in front of me. Yeah, you haven't changed a bit. You're so young looking. Maybe I'm looking through old eyes and I don't know, but anyway, it's great to be here. This morning I'm speaking on You Are Special. It's a message I've preached many, many times and it is really the story of my life and how I found healing from, again, emotional wounds, emotional damage and i found that I'm not the only person in the world that has suffered a lot of emotional hurt and pain. In fact, I think the majority of people um, have experienced a lot of emotional pain and hurt through their lifetimes. Mm-hmm. So it is a message that is so applicable to so many people and it's a message that I like preaching because it's still helps me in my healing after all of these years. So it's told that you are special. A religious teacher asked Jesus which of the commandments was the most important. Jesus replied that it was, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind and love your neighbour as yourself. We all know that this simply means to treat our neighbours the same way that we would like to be treated. And that is to treat anyone. Doesn't matter whether they're black, white, yellow, doesn't matter what political persuasion, Christian persuasion, Muslim persuasion, it doesn't matter. Anyone in need is our neighbour. We learn, however, something. very important from Jesus' statement, and that is that we should love ourselves. So what's it mean to love yourself? It means to feel valuable and worthwhile um, in the depth of your soul, a valuable, worthwhile person in the depth of your soul. It means feeling good about yourself. We talk about a good self-image. And so Jesus, by this statement, informs us that it's normal to love yourself and it's not normal it's abnormal to hate yourself but sadly in our world today so many of us have had our self images assaulted fractured diminished to such an extent that we don't love ourselves we don't feel worthy we feel lower than the low we feel lower than a snake's belly we just feel that we are not good enough to be loved by God or anyone else. And so when, when we are like that, when we just have poor self-images, it's almost impossible to accept love and to love others as we are meant to. So what's the answer? John 3.16, we have it on the overhead and we read, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. So God came to us in love through his Son, Jesus Christ, and through his Son's sacrifice on the cross. Through that sacrifice, he longs to teach us and show us that in his sight we are loved, we are special, we are valuable, we are unique. And when we understand and accept this truth in the depths of our being, that we are made in God's image and that we are loved by him, then we can really love others, we can love ourselves and we can receive love from others. And when we come to know God and understand God's value for us, we have confidence to approach him, we have confidence to receive from him, we have confidence to come and confess our sins to him because we know that he loves us so much he's not going to reject us. He, we know that he loves us on our good days and our bad days. We know that he loves us so much he'll forgive us from all of our sins and free us from guilt. So his love displaces our fear, our anger, our hate, our attitude, our hurts, our inferiorities, and we can love God, we can love ourselves and we can love others. And basically we become a great big ball of the love of God moving in a world that is desperate for love. And it's just such a wonderful, wonderful life when you know God, you know he loves you, he pours out his love on you and then you find yourself naturally just emanating that love to others all around you. It was a great experience going to Port Hedland for two years, rescuing a church that was about to collapse. And it was great just moving around the town and just meeting people and touching them with God's love. And it was just such a wonderful experience to see how people, non-Christians I'm talking about, unchurched people, for instance, Robin and I went to another city about three hours away called Carrara to get some timber to build a great big screen, like the one that we had in Murray Bridge. Great big, huge screen for the church. And I said to the lady at the counter, had to come all the way to Caratha to get timber because can't get anything in Port Hedland. And I said, and she said, what are you building? And I said, a screen for our church. Anyway, I'm, I'm about to pay for the timber and I'm just chatting to her and, you know, Robin comes up and says, they've got a wet, dry vacuum cleaner on special for $150 and can we buy it for the church? I said, sure. And I said, can you add that to the bill? She goes, no. Lily was her name. We love you, Lily. And... Lily goes, no. And I go, why not? She says, because I'm giving it to you. And so she gave us this. I said, you can't do that. She said, I just want to. She just said, it just makes me feel good to give you the vacuum cleaner. Then Robin and I went to buy a counselling chair and a, a, a lounge chair and the owner of the shop goes, what do you want it for? I said, oh, I'm the new pastor down the road um, at Woolies there. Church is next to Woolies. He goes, oh, yeah, I think I've seen it. And um, so he said, "Um, so what are you looking for? I said, the cheapest. So we went to the cheapest. And he goes, come and have a look at this. And he takes me up the other end of the shop and there's this big leather recliner and I looked at the price, and I think it was about a thousand. He said, Don't look at the price. Is this would this be satisfactory? This is a non-Christian guy. I go, Yeah, but I can't afford that. He goes, you don't have to. I go, why? Because I'm giving it to you. I want to give it to you. We got a quote to get all of the electrical stuff in the church done and put the video screen up and put big floodlights around the church. The quote was $2,000 So I got another quote. The boss comes in and I show him everything and I'm chatting to him, rah, rah, rah. And, and um, so I say, um, so what's the quote? He said, I'm not giving you one. I go, what? The job's too big goes, no, I'm doing it for you for free. And so it goes on and on. And we had a whole bunch of new people. God just sent a whole bunch of new people into the church. And um, I asked uh, a young couple, John G and Sheena, I asked um, another girl, Hannah, who became our youth group leader, I said, why... Did you choose to come to this church? You went to all of the churches in Port Hedland, the six or so. I said, why? You know, every one of them said, when you looked at us, we felt loved. When you looked at us, we felt genuine love. We have never sensed love like Mm -hmm. we have felt when we met you and Robin." That's not us. That's the love of God that just emanates out of you. And so I have gone from an introvert, a person who has resisted intimacy in my um, years or through my life, resisted intimacy because of the fear of ever loving or being loved. And then this truth has really transformed my life to such a degree that wherever I go, people want to give me stuff. It's great. It's wonderful. <laughs> I went to a chicken shop on Healy Beach Road. And, and the lady said, I'm sorry, but we've sold out of hot chickens. I said, oh, if that's the worst thing that happens to me today, I'm a blessed man. I said, you know, that's not a problem. And that's okay. I'll come back some other time. She goes... You know, everyone that I've said that to has abused me today. She said, you have been so nice. You are such a nice person. I just feel that I want to give you two cold chickens. <laughs> so I came home with two cold chickens. Anyway, I could tell you another 10 stories from Port Hedland and another 100 from just life. But that's what happens when you're filled with God's love. His love displaces our fear, our anger, our hate, our hurts, our inferiorities, and we can love God, love ourselves and love others and enjoy their love. But if we live in the fear of God, we want to hide our sin and our imperfections, our sins that pierced him, our sins that offended God. We want to hide from him and run back into the darkness because we fear yeah. that if we come too close and admit what we are, he'll reject us. Um, about two and a half years ago, I love archery and I go out in my backyard and I shoot my bow at targets. Anyway, about 150 yards back over two different neighbours, the third neighbour, built a beautiful big shed all by himself. He was really proud of his shed. Anyway, I looked at the wrong pin. When I fired fired too high, the arrow went over the target, skipped through the paddock, and I heard clunk. I go, oh, no. I think I put an arrow through my neighbour's shed. So I ran and hid behind a tree. (laughs) And I'm watching. I'm watching to see if he came out because it made a real bang. He didn't come out, so I ran inside. Then at night time, these arrows I've got have got glow tape, so they glow at night for hours and hours, all night. So at night time, I snuck around and went all around behind the trees and snuck through the paddock, snuck through his trees, and sure enough, halfway up his shed was an arrow stuck in the shed. So I pull it out and I sneak back home. Well, the next day, I just felt so bad, I felt so guilty, I just felt sick, I, and I didn't want to own up. I didn't want to go and see my neighbour, and eventually, I just had no peace, so I had to go back to my neighbour, had to go to the neighbour. So I drive around, I go to this house, I knock on the door, and this guy comes out, and I said, look, I, I've done a terrible thing, I'm really, really sorry and I don't know how I can make up for this. And, and you know, I, I really apologise. I'm really, really, really sorry. I s- he said, what did you do? I said, I shot an arrow through your shed. He goes, that's all right. I'm starting to feel good. He goes, don't worry about it. I said, you sure? He said, yeah, because I don't have a shed. You <laughs> must be talking about the neighbor's shed. Oh, so I've got to go through this again. So I go down the next house. I go through it again and knock on the door and the guy comes out. I go through I'm really, really sorry. He goes, have you? He goes, let's go have a look. He goes, yeah, you have shot all through my shed. He said, I built this shed by myself. He said, I'm really proud of this shed. I said, look, don't worry. I'll pay for a new sheet of iron. I'll, I'll put it on for you. He goes, look. I can get the sheets cheap, so I'll get the sheet, I'll send you the bill, and I'll do it. That was three years ago. I came home from Port Hedland last year after a year and a half, and he comes out and he sees me a couple hundred yards across the paddock. He says, I haven't forgotten. (laughs) I'm sending you the bill, but he's never going to send it. But, you know, when I went to the house and I owned up, he goes... Oh, look, it's okay. And we chatted, and you know, I just, in a sense, befriended him, loved him. And he goes, How do you like all my tomatoes? And I go, That's fantastic. I don't know how you do it because all my tomatoes have shriveled up. He goes, Take mine. He goes, Gets inside, gets a bag, fills up with tomatoes. You know, here, I offended him, I shot an arrow through his shed and I go home with a bag full of fruit. It's a bit like that with God. You know, we own up and he becomes our friend. We apologise and he becomes our friend. And instead of charging us for our offence, he sends us home with a bag of fruit. I am so glad that I overcame my fear and went to my neighbour and made a friend and, in a sense, got blessed by owning up. And our God is better than that. So, first of all, God wants you to know that to him you are special. You are special. You are special. Some of us were made to feel ashamed by the way we look and we rejected ourselves and inferiority claimed us. In high school I was six foot tall, shrunk a bit through old age and I was eight and a half stone in weight. I would blow over in a strong wind. I was called spoggy legs because I was so skinny. I was called matches and Four eyes. So I also carried the subconscious guilt of a sexual abuse victim that crippled all of my confidence, my ambition to try and succeed because I didn't feel worthy of being good enough to do anything and um, to be a successful person. In both sports and academics, I was at the very bottom of the class, so no one wanted to be my friend except Rodney Shegog, who was also very nerdy, and he was about six foot two and skinny like me. And, yeah, he was my only friend and he really didn't like me because um, I was nerdy and, and he had to be my friend because no one else would be his friend. And so we were sort of friends. But So I became a loner, obsessed with taking my life because I thought of myself as rubbish, bad, worthless and unworthy of being loved. But, see, God doesn't look at us as being unworthy. God doesn't look at us as being worthless. Listen to what he says about each and every one of us. It's on the overhead, Genesis 1:26. God said, Let us make man in our own image in our likeness. So you are somebody special because you bear the likeness of your Creator. He created you with a purpose and a special plan for your life. His image His likeness is stamped indelibly into your life. The ability to create, the ability to dream, the ability to share and most importantly, the ability to love. And this makes you special to God. Knowing that we are made in God's image and thus we share many of his characteristics, this provides a solid base for self-worth. So self-worth is not based on possessions, achievements, physical attractiveness or public acclaim. It is on the basis of being made in God's image. And so because we're made in God's image, we can be positive about ourselves. When we accept the criticisms or downgrading of ourselves from others, really we're criticising what God has made and the abilities he's given us. So knowing and understanding that the God of the universe, the Great Creator, the Alpha and the Omega, sent His Son into the world to die for your sin. Why? Because you are loved by Him, of great value to Him. That helps us to approach God and get to know Him personally and discover the purpose and plans He has for your life. So He's not going to be a rejecter of you when you own up about your imperfections. When you own up about your sins, your wrongdoings, he is going to be like my neighbour after I shot a hole through his shed. In a sense, we shot a hole through Jesus. In a sense, we were the cause of the holes in his hands, the holes in his side, the holes in his feet. And even though I put a hole through my neighbor's favourite shed, I was embraced by him and... Blessed by him. That's our God. And better. Listen to Psalm 139, 14 to 16. You are so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvellous. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. So God's character goes into the life of every person, into the creation of every person. When you feel worthless or even begin to hate yourself, remember that God is willing and ready to work within you and help you. And so you should have as much respect for yourself as our maker has for us. You are special, folks. You are special. Secondly, you are loved. You are loved by the greatest and the most important, most powerful person in the universe. Let's look at Romans 8, verses 5 and 8. But God shows and clearly proves his love for us, proves, clearly proves his love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We are so loved by God that even when we were his enemy and hiding from him in our sin and our guilt and our wrongdoings, he gave us the death of his son on the cross. Let's look at Romans 5.10. For since we were restored to friendship with God by the death of his son while we were still sinners, we will certainly be delivered from eternal punishment by his life. If God loved us and restored us when we were sinners, how much more will he bless us and care for us and forgive us and give us great reward when we're his children? So God calls us to become his children. When we come to him and become his child, we become more loved, if that's possible, more special, if that's possible. We become a loved and special son or daughter, a member of God's family. Here's a true story. The true story of Mary Ann Bird. I grew up knowing I was different and I hated it. I was born with a cleft palate and when I started to go to school, my classmates who were constantly teasing made it clear to me how I must look to others. A little girl with a misshapen lip, crooked nose, lopsided teeth and somewhat garbled speech. By the age of seven, I was convinced no one outside my family could ever love me or even like me. And then I entered second grade and Mrs. Leonard's group. Everyone adored her, but no one came to love her more than I did. And for a special reason. The time came for the annual hearing test given at our school. I was barely able to hear out of one ear and was not about to reveal yet another problem that would single me out as different. And so I cheated. I turned my bad ear to her, plugging up the other solidly with my finger, then gently backed my finger out enough to be able to hear. I waited, and then came the words that God had surely put into her mouth, seven words that changed my life forever. Mrs. Leonard, the pretty, fragrant teacher I adored, said softly, I wish that you were my little girl. And God says that to you today. I wish you were my boy. I wish you were my girl. So if you're today here today as an inquirer, you're you know here just wanting to hear about God and what God is like, and you know whether you can trust this this Jesus Christ. Well, God says to you today, if you're here seeking, inquiring, God is saying to you. Hey, I love you so much. I brought you here and I want you to be my boy. I want you to be my girl. This is what Romans 8.31 says. It's probably on the overhead. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? You know, many people have crippling inferiority complexes because their parents, their dads, sometimes even their mums, have criticised, ridiculed, teased them or put them down made them feel worthless and unimportant. But the truth is the most important person in the universe, God your creator, loves you and is for you and stands against and rejects those positive, those negative words that injure our value, that injure our very sense of self-worth and those those words, negative words that have cursed our lives. He stands against them. He stands against the lies He stands against the critics who have spoken them, those lies of inferiority, and shouts, you are special, you are mine, and I made you, and I love you because you are mine. I love you. Don't accept those lies. You know, as a teenager, I was so depressed, I was so overcome by a lack of self-worth that I got my rifle out the cupboard, I loaded it, put it to my head and I was about to pull the trigger and I heard a voice say, I love you, I love you, you belong to me, don't do that, you belong to me, you're mine. And I never forgot that and I put the rifle down and Praise God, shortly after that, I met a young man called David Hersey and another young man, and they're both old now, a young man called David Smythe, and they led me to Christ. They took me to church and they fathered me, and it transformed my life. <clears throat> and so after I accepted Jesus as my Saviour, And as my Lord, I knew that I was a brand new person, a child of God. The Bible became real to me and it started to change my thinking and my life in many positive ways. And I thought, now I'm a Christian, you know, there'll be no more problems in my life. My problems will be gone. However, the wounds were so deep, the damage in my life was so deep that my mind continued to be bombarded by thoughts of inferiority, shame, unworthiness, and this went on for years through my Christian life. And like now we, we we have a number of programs, healing keys, and programs that can help people quickly, but I didn't know of anything back then. I don't think we did have access to so much information um, healing tools back then but we certainly do now and um, all of this sense of unworthiness and this woundedness, I, I still feared God the Heavenly Father rather than draw close and love him and so that fear of coming too close, it separated me from experiences, experiencing his love and his power to overcome Old Sinful Habits. But then my first son Mark was born and uh, I was there at the action end and all of a sudden out he came and they put him on my wife's stomach and the nurse said, what do you think? And I couldn't talk. I See, I never ever cried because my dad... If I ever cried as a kid, my dad had built me and say, Men don't cry. Grow up. Even if you're only seven, eight years old, grow up, stop crying. And so I never cried. But this day I came so close to crying that I knew that if I opened my mouth, I would just ah! go <laughs> and ball my head off. And I had never seen this kid. I never knew him. But I experienced love that I just couldn't even describe. I was so overwhelmed with love. I loved him more than I loved her, my wife. I'd never felt love for anything or anyone, even for my wife, that I felt for this kid. And as I'm... There, just struggling not to cry, I heard God say to me, and I love you more than you love him. And then a picture came into my mind of Abraham about to slay Isaac and God holding him back. And as God put this picture into my mind, I heard his voice again. And he said, I loved you so much, I didn't hold back piercing my son for you. You are worth the death of my son. I love you so much. And I realised, I loved this kid who I didn't know I'd never seen before because he was mine. He grew up and did stupid things. Dragging across the Murray Bridge Bridge, getting caught by the church policeman. Oh, getting fined. I had to pay it. And I thought, well, God paid for my sin. I've got to pay for his sin. And release him out of jail. You know, he just did crazy things. But I still loved him because he was mine. You know. If you are bogged down with not feeling good enough to be loved by God or to serve God, let me say he loves you regardless. Just the same as I love my son when he was doing stupid things, I loved him the same as when he was born and hadn't done anything stupid. He was just perfect baby. And my love never changed for him, even when, yeah, he was... Costing me big time. And why? Because he was mine. So God loves you the same. When you're far from perfect, he loves you as his. You know, when we started, when Robin and I started the Murray Bridge Christian Family Centre Church, it know, basically after 12 months, there was just like revival and there was like this healing revival. The church doubled in 12 months because there were so many miraculous healings this lady came from the Lutheran Church. Minetta was her name. She had a big lump in her side. She, um, I said, I prayed for her. I said, you need to go and get that checked out. She had her liver full of cancer. And so they told her she was too far gone. There was no hope. So they weren't giving her chemo or radiotherapy. They were sending her home to die. We laid hands on her in the hospital. They told her to book into palliative care the next day because she had two weeks to live. We laid hands on her, asked God to remove every cancer cell from her body, and she was instantly healed and is still alive today, twenty-five years later with no treatment. Um, you know, an old guy called Laurie, Laurie Jarvis. You know, he'd had this sinus condition in his in his um, sinuses that he'd been. Spending twenty, thirty dollars on medication every week for like ten years, we laid hands on him. His sinuses went click. He never had a problem again. And I told him he had to put that money in the offering from that week on. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, our son broke his foot on the motorbike. When I told him he had to wear motorbike boots, but the kids listen no, they do stupid things. So he rode without, broke his foot took him to the doctor, they took x-rays, we were called in and the doctor said, you told us that your son broke his foot yesterday. And we said, yep, that's right. He said, well, how come there's six weeks bone growth? And we go, we prayed. He goes, oh, could you pray for my golfing score? (laughs) He made fun of it. But it was sad because he didn't know that at that very time he had a melanoma in his head under his hair, and uh, he was dead a couple of months later. And I think maybe God did that so we could share with him the love and power of God. Um, But my point of telling these stories is we just saw great blessing, growth, miracles, week after week for a 12-month period, like there was a healing flow, and during that time was the worst time in our marriage. Our lives, our marriage was just a disaster area. We were fighting like cat and dog. We were attacking each other. I was just the mean man and she was the wild woman and she would throw things at me and I would get angry and you know, I grabbed her one night by the scruff of the neck and by the bottom of the pants. I ran her down the passage. She was screaming and I threw her in the air. She landed on the bed and I slammed the door and walked out my daughter went and told the board members and I got hauled over the coals and, oh, man, i tell you I was not a perfect pastor. Did God use me and Robin? you got to believe it. You know, the church is the biggest church in Murray Bridge today and just affected the whole town, impacted the whole city. And yet all of that happened when we were... Just marred and scarred and battered and wrecked and imperfect. Why? Because we belong to him. He loves us because we are his. He loves us when we are good, he loves us when we're stuffing up. So you are special and you are loved. and you are valuable. How much do you think you're worth? Ruth, how much do you think you're worth? You should have heard this sermon at least once in your life, so you should know the answer. (laughs) Are you worth a million (laughs) dollars? Now, Rob, if you had a million dollars, would you give it up to the kidnapper? Everything I've got. Everything you've got. So, Ruth... You are worth everything that robbers got, but you are worth everything that God has got. And so the price tag on you is Jesus. You are worth the life and death of Jesus. Listen to this, Romans 8.32. He did not withhold or even spare his own son, but gave him up for us. God the Father gave His Son Jesus to die for you. You are so valuable that He gave His dearest and His best to bring you into His family. Some people feel worthless because they're not talented, good-looking, or wealthy. Do not feel worthless because Jesus put a price tag on you. God has put a price tag on you, and that tag is Jesus. You are worth His life and death. And he is the most valuable object in the whole universe. So you are special, you are loved and you are valuable. And lastly, you are unique. So many times feelings of inferiority arise because we judge ourselves against somebody else. I used to, as a young pastor, I used to judge myself against Bill Vasilakis, Pastor Bill. And I just thought, man, I can never even hope to get anywhere near what Bill is as a pastor and a preacher and a leader. And I, I, I just praised God for the leadership principles I learnt working with Bill and what I learnt from Bill enabled me to plant the Murray Bridge Christian Family Centre Church um, um, later on. But I just felt so worthless compared to Bill. And it, in, in many ways it crippled me because I still had this inferiority thing controlling my life in many ways. Um, So because we think we should measure up to someone else's standard, we feel second-rate miserable. But remember this, you're not inferior, you're not superior, you are you. You are an individual, you are unique. You are not like any other person. Your fingerprints, brainwaves, DNA are different to every other person alive or ever born And because you are made as an individual and unique, no one can replace you in the heart of God. Uh, David Smythe and I worked in the public service uh, together, and there was an attitude uh, that no one was really important because you could be so easily replaced. You know, you can be replaced. You know, it doesn't matter if you go, it doesn't matter if you stay. I mean, if you go, you can be replaced you're just a number in a huge organization called the public service but that's not how it is with god because you can't be replaced because there is a a, a special shape in god's heart that only you can fit that only you can fulfill because there's no one else like you you are Unique. You are unique in God's heart. You are unique in God's love. You are unique in His plan, in His kingdom. So you are special. You are loved. You are valuable. You are unique. And when you really understand and believe this truth from God's precious word, you can love God. You can love yourself. You can love others. You can accept and enjoy their love. And in accepting, And enjoying God's love and being filled with God's love, the Bible says "Like we're a sweet perfume. And wherever you go, when you are filled with God's love, when you understand him, draw near to him and are filled with his love, you can't help but love people, good people, bad people, rotten people, doesn't matter what sort of people they are. You just have an effect on them because the love of God emanating from your life. It's like it oozes out from you. People can see it in your eyes. They can see that you value them, that you care for them, that you're interested in them, that they are special to you. And when they find out you're Christian, they suddenly put two and two together and go, oh, I must be special to God because he's a God person. He must be like God. And as I said, people, they melt. They open up. they. Respond. They give you stuff. They want to be around you. Um, they're attracted. You attract them, and it's a wonderful, exciting life. And so, I just love going where people are, and because I know that God is going to touch them with His love that is in me and emanates out of me, and they feel it. They know it. The number of times that we've gone places, we went and hired a houseboat. We go to the houseboat owner. He looks at me and goes, are you a Christian? I go, oh, how do you know? <laughs> I go, yeah, oh, I thought so. You know, and it's weird, but it's wonderful. So this morning, are you a child of God or are you still hiding in fear from his love? And forgiveness and blessing. God wants you to know, He wants to make it really, really clear to you that in His sight you're loved, you're special, you're valuable, and unique. Even if you're here as an inquirer and you haven't received Jesus as your Lord and Savior yet, He says you are special, you're loved, you're valuable, unique, and He wants to become, He wants you to become His child. He wants He says to you, I wish you were my boy. I wish you were my girl. I wish you were my child. He wants to forgive you your sins and he wants to take you home with him to heaven for eternity. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your wonderful word, the Bible. I thank you for the words of love that spring out of its pages for each and every one of us. Father, we know that there are so many lies in our world and that the devil, that wicked spirit, lies to say that he is loving and that God is not. But Father, today we have heard the truth from your word that you are the loving Father. You are the loving Father who says, you are special, loved, valuable, unique. I want you to be my child. And so, Father, today, if there are any here that do not know you as Father, do not know that they're a child of God, I pray that today they would open their heart to you, that they would feel and understand that you love them and that they would understand that love that they've heard about this morning enough to open their hearts to you and receive your love and your forgiveness and become a child of God. If there's anyone here today and after this service is over, you would like me to lead you in a prayer of asking Jesus to be your Lord and Saviour and God to be your Father, would you raise your hand and I would love to meet you after the service is over and just share with you, pray with you. Uh, There's no pressure. You don't have to become a member of this church. Your heart may be beating. You may be struggling with putting up your hand. You may be feeling um, emotions of, of fear and not being sure. Please don't hesitate to come and speak to me afterwards. Just because you haven't put up your hand doesn't mean you still can't come and have a chat, ask questions, and if then you feel comfortable, I would love to lead you in receiving Jesus and lead you in knowing how to be a child of God. Father God, I just thank you for our morning together and I pray that these words will transform each of our lives in a very positive way, that we may all draw to you without any fear, that we draw to you in love and confidence and receive from your hand all the blessing that is available to us as your children. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kerry.